Hey everybody, welcome back to Geek Life. This is episode 20. I'm JP, as always with me is my fearless co-host, the Brian. Hello, <laughs> Uh, and and we have uh, the amazing, the vicious Joe Vicious. Ah! <laughs> and then uh, again, because this is our secondary or our second round at looking at comics, we have Pinku. Hi. We've decided to call her Pinku. We were kind of went back and forth between Pink and Pinku, and we we're like, "What do you want to do, Pinku?" And she's like, "I don't know." <laughs> so, yeah. so, but we decided to make a choice. Yeah, I really don't care, but I guess since I own Pinku.net. I should probably just go by that. It's probably a good choice. Probably the wise move right there. Yes. And and uh, so we, we have the fearless co-host, and Joe is now an official co-host. We haven't quite figured out what to call, like, what's Joe's title, you know? So the if anybody... Co-host. The secret co-host. We could have the... I mean, especially because Joe is, like, our comic book guru. We could have the amazing Joe, the uncanny Joe. Like, you, like pick your pick your acronym. Mm-hmm. You know, your acronym. But, you know, what? you just pick your verb. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Notorious J-O-E. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, no. But, yeah, so... Excelsior Joe. So we're, we're thinking about it. And if anybody has any ideas out there, any listeners have any ideas of what we should call Joe, you just go ahead and email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com and we'll maybe just call him that. <laughs> I know a lot of you are going to think of very interesting things to call me, but try and be nice. Yeah, be nice-ish. <laughs> Don't Stay tell class Fortune. in San Diego and the rest of the internet. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> okay, well. Uh, Joe San Diego? Joe San Diego. Just, I've never really been to San Diego. So. I don't know. I think we should do something with Vicious because that's like your your handle yeah. on like all the games. Joe Vicious, Vicious Joe, mm-hmm. the Vicious Joe, Vicious, Vicious co-host Joe. I don't know something the Vicious, fearless the Vicious, the, the fearless, fearless co-host and the Vicious, and the vicious co-host. co-host. Love it. Huh. We'll figure huh. something out. Anyway, okay. <laughs> <laughs> moving, uh, moving on, moving right along. We have. Uh, come back around and are going to do comics again. Wait, not back around. We're just doing oh, it again. Yes. <laughs> so this time we are going to do comics uh, two in a row. We got so many cool self-published comics from Stockton Con when Joe and I went there a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Yeah. We decided to spend actually two whole podcasts instead of one giant, ridiculously long, obnoxious to edit podcast. <laughs> so, so here we are, uh, the second podcast in a row of the comics persuasion. And this week we're going to look at a couple, two different comics. So probably a pretty quick podcast this time around. Two and a half. Two and a half. Yeah, two and a half. Yeah, but two different anyway. Yeah. So yeah, but uh, so yeah, we, we've got we've got uh, two comics to look at, two different uh, comic series, I guess, to look mm-hmm. at, and that will wrap up our Stockton Con coverage altogether. Be the final final piece of that that we're looking at. Mm-hmm. Of course, very quickly we'll have more coverage from upcoming events and. But uh, we're not going to talk about that here. We're going to talk about that in housekeeping. This week in housekeeping, we've got a lot of items. How many we got? Uh, six items in housekeeping. That's oh a busy yeah. section. Yeah. So first, first we've got a new section coming up on Pandemic. Well, not a new section, a new segment. Uh, we've already got the review section on the website, which you can see at reviews.pandamanga.com, or you can choose from the top bar at pandamanga.com. And we've got all kinds of different reviews of all the different persuasions that we tend to talk about on the podcast and elsewhere. You know, comics, games, movies, zombie survival. Wait, no, we don't have zombie survival reviews. That doesn't no, work. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, but yeah, that's so, for zombie egg. Exactly. But comics, yeah. movies, games, you know, all that fun stuff. We've done a couple different sections. We've got the one that I do for the Friday matinee, the special K. And then we've got our quickie ones from the night before midnight shows. 
But uh, the Brian came to me the other day and said, hey, hey, JP, I've got an idea. So, Brian, why don't you tell us about the Brian's Jaded and Biased Reviews? All right. So this comes from way back from when I was running a site called the World Domination Foundation. Which, do you still have that domain name, right? No, I do oh, not. Oh, dear. You need to get uh, it back. Do you no. still have, do you still have like, what was it, coolpeople.com or something? I have badasspeople.net. Badasspeople.net. That's a great one. <laughs> I used to have .com. I also used to have a slice of humblepie.com. But, you know, as Buddy was tired, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to let all these World things World Domination go. Foundation was a great one, though. Yes. And so uh, I used to do reviews on there, and I referred to them as jaded and biased reviews because let's face it there's no truly impartial fair and balanced reviews except of, for jp's reviews except for jp's reviews but pretty much any critic is pretty much jaded and biased at this point they're too used to seeing their fanciful things and high-end art house films that the schlock that i would normally watch is kind of beneath them so i was just kind of doing this and i decided to grace the rest of you with the same amount of long-winded, intelligent, inspiring, intellectual, and incoherent ramblings of various reviews of various things. Now, they're probably, for the most part, they're not going to be, like, closely related to what's currently out. Yeah, you know, one thing that that the Brian wanted to do right away when we were talking about this was that he didn't want to try and uh, have things that were time-relevant. You know, like say a movie's coming out or just came out. Brian doesn't want to have to rush and put it out. You know, he, he feels like it's a more of an opportunity to do things that are older. You know, things that are or older, maybe less things known. That, things that, that are less known. That um, needs lazy. That, yeah. <laughs> well, well that, no, that, know, I mean, that's a really it, nice way of saying Brian's lazy. <laughs> well, that's a given. Um, I mean, obviously. But it also allows me, in my extreme laziness, to do kind of fun things. Like a segment that I'm considering doing is. Uh, during this mid-season break for TV, I plan to do a whole series of lesser-known great shows that Fox canceled too early. I mean, we all know about Firefly, you've, of you've course. You've got quite a list to draw from. Yeah, we have quite the list to draw oh, from. Man. You know, Fox is famous for their hatchet. Oh, oh, exactly. There, there was a Family Guy episode where uh, like all the racehorses were named after defunct Fox yes. shows. And Family the Guy list is list. On and on, yeah. Yes. Don't worry, Heil Honey, I'm Home is not going to be on that list. Okay. Um, but I will review probably older films, things that some people probably didn't don't know about, things that you can watch for free legally on the internet or rent from Netflix. Um, I'm also going to do video games and maybe comics, who knows. Definitely TV shows, but if I do TV shows, they're either going to be TV shows that have completely finished their run, or I'm going to break it down to like, okay, I'm reviewing like this season. show from this season to this season. Because right. let's face it, like... It can let, change. It can change. Like think Lost or Heroes. Mm-hmm. First season, everybody thought it was like the greatest thing since sliced bread. By the time it ended, there weren't nearly as many people who thought that. Mm-hmm. So... um So it really isn't fair, like, if I was going to review season one and base my entire thought of it based upon season one. Hmm. Right. Good. Well, I think that's a fair way to go. Yes. I think that's that's, that's good. Was that long-winded enough for you guys? That was long-winded-ish. Yeah, sure. It was also a little jaded and potentially biased. Mm. Yes. So I'll try and be more snarky and... Yeah. Snarky's good. Snarky's good. Oh, and if you need something bad to review that you can find free on YouTube, I just found Shaquille O'Neal's 
Steel. Steel? What? what Steel is, is great as far as a campy, horrible film, yeah. you know? Uh, Shaq playing the superhero Steel. <laughs> oh, I remember <laughs> yes. that. Yes, uh-huh. yes. Oh, uh, wow. 1998, something like that. Uh, so yeah, cool. oh, wow. so around there, yeah. yeah. It was that, free, then free Kazam, and that was the end of his acting career. I liked uh-huh. Or Shazam or whatever. Shazam. Shazam was kind of fun, especially when you were like a little kid and mm-hmm. didn't know any better. It's totally like a great <laughs> little kid's movie. It, it's a quintessential, like, just kind of throwaway, like, like mid-90s movie. Oh, God. Just so, so many of those. Three just... Ninjas. What was the one where that one kid... Blank Check. That was one of my favorites. <laughs> totally. So good. We need to do a segment on this. So, Brian, we've learned a lot about what you're doing with the reviews and what you plan to do. When can we expect them on the website? So, they're going to come out every Tuesday. And... At the time of this release, there will already be one up. It's going to be of Expendables 2. Uh, The one that's following that is going to be of a movie called Edison Force. And then who knows what it's going to be from there. Uh, Yeah, you've you've done the very wise choice of backlocking some things. You've got a couple things going on. We've got some kind of editing and we're going to pass the grammar machine that is my mother. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> which I need. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Depend on her, her, her like scary grammar skills. She yeah. says it like jumps out at her, like it's like highlighted in red and like sticking off the page, like she just sees it. <laughs> I wish I had that skill. That would be awesome. All right. So yesterday, at the time of this release, yes, yesterday. So, so um, for those of you that haven't seen it yet, it's you get there. to see what it's like to hang around with me, minus my accent. <laughs> it's right. Okay. So complete. Uh, we complete thought on that? I believe that's complete thought. Okay. So next up, the next item is actually three items. Um, it encompasses our events coverage. For those of you that don't know, we have started a new section on pandamanga.com. As you can see at events.pandamanga.com. And it is, surprisingly enough, our events section. Whoa. Whoa. I would have never guessed. Wow. Are you um, sure? I'm... Oh, yes. Okay. So, so the events section is basically all about our events coverage... Um, I think what I've been saying is it is the section where you can check out events that Panda Manga will be hosting, will be covering, or just is plain excited about, <laughs> or even just attending, you know? Mm-hmm. So pretty much all the events that, you know, the Panda Manga crew collectively is excited about or is going to be involved with in some capacity. So we have had some surprisingly good success getting press passes. Um, we have mentioned this before, but I'll reiterate it here. SAC Anime is coming up next week, or I guess this week, this Friday, uh, at the time of the release. It will be starting the 31st of August until the 2nd of September, and will be a bunch of fun. You can check it out at sacanime.com, and that's S-A-C, anime, A-N-I-M-E.com, and see what's going on there. There's going to be all kinds of fun stuff, uh, kind of from... You know, magic cards to the Lolita Tea Cafe to the Gothic Lolita. I'm not just going to say Lolita. Gothic Lolita. That's a very specific, different thing. <laughs> That's very different. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anyway, but yeah, it's it's basically, you know, everything anime. If you've never gone to an anime convention, it's a whole different beast than just a normal comic book convention. It's 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 good fun, though. It's good fun. Yeah, so if you see a bunch of people walking around wearing Panda Manga shirts... That's probably us. Come up, say hi. And if it's not us, well, thanks for buying our shirts, whoever you are. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so you can expect to see um, actually ongoing coverage throughout the convention. So this Friday we will be there. We'll be crashing at a good friend of ours' house over in Sacramento and totally filling up his entire living room. And then we'll be bright there bright and early on Friday morning, which is probably the longest day of the con. Starts, I think, at like 10 or something. Goes till 2 a.m. Will be Ooh. a bunch of fun. Yeah. 
I doubt we'll oh. stay for the whole thing, but we'll meet for you know all the way to two. But we will. We shall see. Uh, the plan is to go around and uh, to unveil a couple new pieces and parts of our plan for the events section there. We're not going to talk about it here. We'll, you'll have to just be with us uh, on the events page when that's happening. But we will release information about the con throughout the con. You know, talk about our favorite picks and, you know, booths and exhibitors that you definitely want to check out. So that if you happen to be going over there on Saturday or Sunday, you can you can go to pandamanga.com or events.pandamanga.com and, and see what the PM crew has to say about what's there and, you know, the, the definite booths you want to check out. And hopefully we'll see a couple of our friends. I believe uh, Melissa Pagluisa. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. She'll be there. Dark Sunrose is her, her name on DeviantArt. Mm-hmm. Lovely stuff. Very, very nice. Yeah, I think Junior said he was going to be there. Junior said he would be there also. No, Junior Bruce the from uh, doing mm-hmm. the Whimsy Creek. So, yeah. So, hopefully we'll see a couple people again that we saw at SACCon. Um, but, yeah. So, hopefully we'll see you there. Uh, and if not, then check out our events coverage and it'll be as if you were there. After SAC Anime, uh, we have, I guess the next one coming up is the 17th of September. And this is a whole new segment. We've been talking about this for a while, kind of hinting at it and being excited about it, but really didn't have the really honestly the equipment for it yet. But now we've got our now we do. tried and true mobile recording gear. We will be officially doing our first midnight cast. So here in Napa, California, the GameStop uh, is a place that many of us frequent in the PM crew. Mm-hmm. And the very generous manager of GameStop has basically given us a blank check to have fun and uh, pretty much host you know, they're hosting us, but basically we're going to be there goofing around and handing out prizes and doing trivia. And, you know, he said that we could even, you know, plug in a TV and, you know, bring some systems and have a tournament or whatever. I mean, well, not a tournament, but just play and just have a good time. So, you know, pretty much, like I said, pretty much blank check to just kind of be creative and have a good time. You know, he said we can bring things, table, set up stuff, have merch, whatever we'd like. Uh, we'll definitely, excuse me, we'll definitely be doing... A trivia. I uh, will definitely be handing out gift certificates for people who, I mean, for for GameStop. So I guess that's gift cards. Gift cards. Yeah. Yes. So we'll be handing out gift cards uh, for the at GameStop so that you can pay less for the game that you're coming to get, which is always nice. Yeah. So considering come, it's sixty bucks. Exactly. Yes. Very very true. So so we'll be hooking you up with some some gift cards so you can pay less for Borderlands Two. Is the night re- midnight release coming out on the seventeenth of September? So it comes out on the eighteenth. You can show up at, I think, 10 or 10.30 at the GameStop here in Napa. I don't have the address off the top of my head, but you can just go to GameStop.com and check out their store locator, mm-hmm. and they will hook you up with the address. It's on Soskill Avenue. On Soskill Avenue, yeah. It's a great spot, to, uh, surrounded by all kinds of food and stuff. So if you're coming from out of town, then you can get a bite to eat and then head over. Um, if we decide to have a pre-midnight cast dinner thing for the Pandemega crew, then we will post where that will be, so... Um, we'll be in our shirts and stuff. Hopefully, we won't spill anything on them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, so we'll be we'll be there, so you can meet up with us if you're you're coming out of town or something like that. So yeah, so just to reiterate the plan, uh, we'll be getting there about ten ten thirty, setting up whatever it is that we'll be setting up. It's still a little bit up in the air what we'll be doing, but uh, we will keep you updated. You can again go to events.pandamega.com and check out our calendar, and the calendar will have information about the GameStop Midnight Cast. Uh, it looks like. If we can make this one work well, and all signs point to we will, then it will be a regular thing. You know, midnight releases, uh, you know, kind of infrequent, but still a bunch of fun. And so hopefully we can be regular over there at the uh, at the GameStop here in Napa. And uh, host that and have good times and hand out prizes and all that fun stuff. I mean, essentially, mm-hmm. what, what he said, I'll give you what he said 
as best I can ver verbatim, was as long as it doesn't endanger our merchandise or our customers, go for it. Oh, then screw it. Let's not even bother. <laughs> so you know, I guess I can't bring the uh, t-shirt launcher. Right, so I mean, but basically what it means is that you know, we can't use any of their gear. Stuff. We, yeah, we yeah. can't use their television. We can't use their systems. Mm -hmm. We can't, uh, you pretty much all we can use of theirs is like a wall plug. <laughs> you know, so, but he said, you know, bring a table, bring a TV, bring, you know, what do whatever, man, go crazy. You know, the, the it's, 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 you know, it, I get the sense because I was like, man, this is a corporate thing, right? GameStop is, is corporate and corporate can be kind of uptight about things and all about covering their butts and typically not allowing you to do things that really wouldn't be bad and pretty low risk, but just to be safe, they just kind of say no globally. Yes. But apparently, these midnight uh, releases at GameStop are a little more flexible. So we're very excited about being there. So come and check us out on the 17th here in Napa at GameStop. And then at the end of September, we will be at SACCon. SACCon apparently happens several times throughout the year. Originally, SAC Anime was a part of SACCon. It was an extension of it. But it got honestly kind of bigger than SACCon. <laughs> kind of split off and is doing its own thing. But, you know, obviously, uh, but several of the staff for SAC, SAC Anime and SACCon are the same. And so you'll see a lot, of, a lot of the same people. If you're looking for emails and asking questions and stuff, uh, really good people. And yeah, so we'll be back at SACCon and the 30th of September. It's just a one-day convention. We were there a little while ago at the, what would that be, Spring SACCon? Something uh, like that. That was you and Admin. Yes. Uh, we were not there in an official Pandemanga capacity. We were there and just kind of checking it out and seeing what's up. But this time we will be there with press passes and microphones and be recording and picture taking and all that crazy stuff. Mm -hmm. um, Joe should probably be able to come to that one, hopefully. Yeah, I already got the days off. Yes, uh, but unfortunately, Sack Anime Joe will not be there. Joe is recording with his band. Woo! Woo! So exciting. So you know, you know, recording time and getting the whole band together is tricky, and yeah. uh, it takes a lot of time to get the recording right. So um, Joe. Thankfully, let us know with plenty of time so that we were able to switch it out. So the administrator will be there with me, mm -hmm. along with whoever else is interested in, in hanging out with us. But uh, specifically, the administrator and I will have our press passes at SAC Anime and uh, be putting microphones in people's faces. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we're talking about... follow you around and carry the microphone case. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but we're talking about SACCon, so we'll be at SACCon on the 30th of September over in Sacramento at the Scottish Rights Center. You can find out more information about SACCon at SAC hyphen con that's sac hyphen con dot com and uh, see what's up with that and yeah i think that's about it for the events stuff but uh man geek life is having a a little bit of a threshold we're going to cross a little bit of a rite of passage joe why don't you tell us a little bit about that well as you said earlier this happens to be episode 20 guess what happens after 20 21 very good. Geek Life is turning 21 episodes old. And right before our very own. That's so sweet. Right. So we're getting plastered. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so we're going to do another drunk cast. <laughs> oh, yes. The, the, hopefully this one won't go so long. As long as we don't let Brian plan some kind of crazy sports tie-in, we should be good. I don't think there's really any sports tie-in you have to worry about. <laughs> so, so, uh, so yeah, I tell us. I guess we could do something on NFL. I don't know. No, you're not allowed. Oh. None of that bullshit. Anymore. You sure? Yes. Completely. We can make you go three hours this time. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if you ever want comics to come out on the website, ever, <laughs> let's just not make crazy, huge uh, 
podcast. This is too. Nah. So anyway, so we have a special subject on the 21st uh, Drunk Cast. Mm, gonna so, do our con survival cast. This is something we've been trying to do for a long time. We originally came up with the idea when we were just sitting around talking with the 8th Henry and the administrator about, well, Chewbacca, or the guy who played <laughs> Chewbacca, having just a serious problem with the 8th Henry. And uh, over the several cons that they've gone to, apparently they've had some trouble getting along and, you know, <laughs> just, uh, it's, we'll, we'll wait until the Con Survival Guide podcast for you to hear the whole story, but it's, it's freaking yeah. hilarious. But anyway, we were talking to them about that and, you know, sitting around, we thought, hey, we should do a Con Survival Guide because I think out of everybody standing here, you know, sitting here, Pinku's probably gone to the most cons of us and I'm mm-hmm. sure that like, she can vouch that weird, crazy ass shit happens at cons. something cons or some crap like that. Yeah. I don't know. So, so there's, there's gotta be good stories from cons. <laughs> you know, we're really disappointed. One one of the script questions, yes, we use script questions uh, for the interviews. We sat down and created a, a massive list of amazing questions, which mm-hmm. we used over and over. But uh, one of the questions that we only got to ask one person was, and I won't tell you who because this doesn't paint them in a very particularly wonderful light, but we one of the creators at uh, comic creators at SAC, no, at Stockton Con, we asked them this question, which was, do you have a crazy con story? And he kind of looked at me with a blank stare. He, sorry. They kind of looked at me with a blank <laughs> stare and, and were like, well, no, I don't really have a crazy con story. And I thought to myself, really? How do you not have a crazy con story? Man, I've been to like two cons and I've had some crazy shit happen. It's like, <laughs> I've been to zero cons and I have a crazy con story. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. So, so come visit us or come listen to the next podcast where Geek Life turns 21 and we'll be drinking and having a, our second drunk cast. I guess it would be drink cast. It would be what, I guess the third one technically, but the second time we've recorded Mm. Uh, anyway, yes. so we will be drinking and making fools of ourselves and uh, hopefully coming up with an even more devious and vicious drinking game. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, talking oh, about uh, all things con. Uh, mm-hmm. Con? <laughs> con! Yeah, we'll have to use that sound clip in there somewhere. <laughs> oh, yes. yes. And then finally, oh, finally, before we move forward with the rest of the podcast, we always have to plug our friends over at Waterfront Comics. Joe, why don't you take it away? So, anyone living in the uh, North Bay knows that there's scantily few comic book stores left. We used to have five in Napa. Napa, a city who has only two ways out of it, north and south, on the same damn highway. We had five comic book stores in the 90s. Back in the day. Those are good days, man. Good days. We feel obligated to make sure that everyone knows that there are still some left. And specifically, good ones. specifically the one of the best comic book stores I know of, Waterfront Comics in Sassoon, California. Right there on guess what? The waterfront, downtown Sassoon. John always great to talk to, fantastic sales all the time. Amazing trade section. Oh yeah. We really, we really should talk to them. So be like, John, you want to, you want to sponsor Geek Life? Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't I mean, feel like a comic gonna, podcast. It's not going to be any different. <laughs> We're still going to plug it, but oh yeah, <laughs> just you know, end every podcast with brought to you by Waterfront Comics. That'd be so good, so in California. Yes, well, yeah. So make sure that if you're in the North Bay and you're looking for a good comic book shop and you know, really just a good old fashioned comic book shop. It's got all kinds of really good rares, an amazing section of trades, a really knowledgeable staff, 
pleasant, just good people, you know, regular customers go there. I mean, it's, it's not one of these big polished, nameless, faceless sort of places. It's, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's got real character. It's clearly, you know, lovingly maintained by someone who really loves comics. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's really worth checking out. So that's, that's Waterfront Comics over in Sassoon, California. Do we have, is there a website for them? He does have a website. So you can check out Waterfront Comics online at (laughs) waterfrontcomics.com. Nice and easy. Spelt the way it sounds. (laughs) Nothing strange. So, again, just a shout-out to John over at Waterfront. You totally hook us up with amazing comics, and you rock. We love your spot. We will always be very loyal customers as long as we are within reasonable driving distance. Or have money. Or have money. (laughs) 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 Joe Joe recently started a new job, got his first paycheck, and we both looked at each other and said, Comic book day? (laughs) Comic book day. Yeah, buddy. All right. So I think that's enough for housekeeping. Is there anything else to Brian? No? No? Okay. All right. Moving on. This to... house is clean. It's so clean right now that we can it's move so on. fresh and so clean, clean. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so I think, uh, this is, we've been talking for a while now, so why don't we go ahead and take a break. When we get back, we'll get into Eben 07, an excellent little webcomic by E. Bergen and D. Bethel. You can find it at eben07.com, E-B-E-N-07. And we'll talk about the uh, issue one of Operation Three, Three Ring Bound. Three Ring Bound. Yeah, we talked to those guys a little bit at the at the SAC con and Stock good stuff. Looking con. forward to talking about it. So uh, stick with us. You're listening to Geek Life. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Is this it? Is this now full communism? The other one said, oh, hell no. It's, things are going to get a lot worse. <laughs> section with Evan 07 by E. Bergen and D. Bethel. The issue we have is Operation Three Ring Bound. So we actually met up with these guys at Stockton Con and we got a chance to talk to I think it was D, right? Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You can hear the interview yes. at events.pandamanga.com. Yes, you can. Check it out. Uh, mm-hmm. The Stockton Con section. Anyway, we talked to uh, D. Bethel, who is the co-creator, illustrator, and has writing credits as well. Uh, and uh, his later on ran into after we had already put away our interview and were just mm-hmm. just normal con attendees at that point. We actually talked a little bit with uh, with E. Bergen, uh, who is co-creator and lead writer. I've got a little excerpt from their website here, which gives us some information about what Ebeno 7 is all about. So let's 
Ebon07 is a covert custodian, an espionage janitor. <laughs> a man that works for the Intelligence Cleaner Agency with a mop and a bucket to clean up the, resi uh, the residue left by cloak and dagger operations. Their comic started back in 2007, has over 150 full-color pages, spread over a large number of volumes, or operations as they call them, air quotes. Uh, each operation is a standalone story that fits into the overarching story of Ebon07 and the Intelligence Cleaner Agency. You can find Ebon07 at ebon07.com, E-B-E-N-0-7.com. Really cool idea. Really cool idea. Oh, yeah. Instantly caught my eye. Absolutely. I mean, as soon as... I mean, the, the art style is really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, and the first time that we walked by, it was kind of like, as we were going around to the tales, we were like, yeah, we want to come back to that one. Yeah, we want to come back to that one, you know. And then kind of made a loop and actually stopped and talked to people. And this is one of the ones that stood out right away. Mm -hmm. You know, these guys definitely have their, their shit together. You know, they've been around for, well, since, since 2007. <laughs> it's primarily a webcomic, although you can get print copies, which is what we have and is what we're reviewing. Mm -hmm. And it looks, it looks really good, you know. I, uh, I really enjoyed reading it. So why don't we go around and, and talk impressions. What did the Brian think of Evan 07? Well... I was giggling quite a bit through this thing. <laughs> it's openly. funny. It is very, very witty and clever. I really feel sorry for the uh, Smithsonian Intelligence Agency <laughs> and their acronym. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say what it is. You'll just have to read the comic to find out. Uh, Let's read the full name of it. Yes. Okay, we can do that. and You can figure it out from there. The Smithsonian Historical Intelligence Troop. You can figure out the acronym from there, folks. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's a clever idea. Uh, this one, they're going undercover, which I kind of uh, found funny because they're obviously a lot. They're going into a high school and they're definitely not of high school yeah, age. Ninja Dan has to shave off his epic beard. Well, I think that and, he doesn't normally have his beard. Like, that was. Yeah, the thing is that they were on vacation for, what, a week? <laughs> and, and, he comes, and he comes back with this epic beard, which. I can totally relate to how Evan 07 was feeling, where he's like, I can't, do no, why can't I have that? Yeah, one week later, you got this epic beard. Yes. Brian's like, how long was the beard cast? 20-something days? 21 days. <laughs> you can go to our news section at news.pandamanga.com and type into the search beard cast, all one word, and you can see the uh, the epic journey that the Brian took from <laughs> of not shaving until... It looks good days. now, though. It does. He's settled on a nice little goatee. Very, yes. very, very clean. How long did that take you? Um, this has been going on for, what, two months now? Yeah, but is it, is, have you had to shave it at all, or is it just, just left it? Oh, I've just left it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like mountain that. man status after two months. At its yeah. apex, it's like three quarters of an inch. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It's, it's, it's really sad. So, but back to the comic. What did you, what did you think about it? Um, I really like the comic. There was one little hitch in the art style with Eben's character design that really, really just... Yeah, they even addressed that at the very back of the book. Yeah. Yeah. Now what you're talking about? What do they call that? Bifurcates. Eh? Yeah. Bifurcation. Bifurcation. Yeah. Basically, he's got these like little antennae, you know, which, which are a little bit reminiscent of sort of like some of the antennae from like the early 90s manga and comics. Really, I mean, an anime. anime that were really popular. Everybody had these like little, you know, bug things coming out of their head. Um, but for some reason, they decided that in certain situations with Evan's character, it's going to look like somebody just like took a hatchet to his head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and there's really just a does. chunk missing. And yeah. I, you know, 
that was a little distracting. It really was. It really was. Because I mean, so like on the on the cover page, it just looks like he's got a really an extreme part and some like kind of you know fluffed up hair. But there are parts where it like dips down into his forehead, and it's like, <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> you know. So, but I mean, other than that, I mean, all the other characters they they make logical sense. Yes. <laughs> you know, their brains wouldn't be seeping out of their head based on their hairstyle. But and I think that's the thing that kind of really, if like there were more characters that had that kind of design, then I'd be fine with it. But it's like, yeah, we're transporting a completely different design of a completely different character. Right, it's like looking at Jim Davis's stuff, like, you know, Garfield and John, they've got, like, these bug eyes. Yeah. You know, and if everybody else had normalized, it'd be like, what is wrong with them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but everybody's got bug eyes, and you're just like, oh, that's just what people in the Garfield universe look like. If, exactly. if everybody in the Ebon 07 universe had a bifurcated, whatever the hell it's called. Or head. at least a decent amount, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Except for John's roommate. What's it, Leonard or... Whatever I don't even in, know, man. He had just the two little dots. But that's like, and that's, that always looked weird. But that's like ancient Garfield. You're talking like this is back <laughs> when Garfield didn't look like the Garfield is, does now. That's true. Garfield used to be really like lumpy and fat and awful looking. Now he's just like <laughs> pleasantly plump mm. and round and is like a much more streamlined character. He got into shape. He did, but back in the day, he was a blob. <laughs> and John looked a little different, but still mm-hmm. so similar. And that's that's when that was happening. I don't mm-hmm. think that after after the the style shift really happened. That you had any characters that were like that. No, I don't think he stuck around. Hmm. He was always kind of an awkward character. Anyway. Okay. Wow. Okay. Ebeno 7. So, Ebeno 7, final thoughts, Brian, before we move on to Joe's, Vicious Joe's. Our vicious co-host, Joe. vicious co-host, Joe, about his opinion of Ebeno 7. I'll let Joe take it away from here. Okay. Well, I really love the art style. I thought, you know, it was really crisp, really clear. Mm Mm-hmm. Looks great in color. We've been reading lots of black and white. Yes. So it was, it was kind of cool to watch this really, you know, pop off the page. Absolutely. You know, funny, but my big problem with it, it was kind of wordy. A little bit. Yeah, the the punchlines really felt like they could have come a little sooner in some of the jokes. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's the only problem I had with it. Otherwise, uh, you know... It was gold right there. Yeah, it's generally entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely a standout in the group that we saw. Yeah. Well, Pinky, what, what was your impressions? Okay, well, um, like everybody else, really solid art. Um, to a degree that when I was reading it, I didn't have to think about it. It wasn't distracting. It wasn't, you know, besides the giant hatchet wound <laughs> part, which, you know, after a while I can I can see myself being endeared to it. Yeah. Uh, after mm-hmm. after that little bit of distraction, there was really nothing to think about in terms of whoa, this art style is a little loud in this place. It didn't place. distract from the tour. No, no, not at all, not mm-hmm. at all. Um, good color design, I think, where it's using a lot of. I mean, even on the cover, you've got this use of primaries, but it's not like this fully saturated garbage that shows that somebody doesn't know what they're doing and they're just using like default color palette in Windows <laughs> or something like that. Which honestly, I've seen a few too many times. Yeah. It's not, not mm-hmm. uncommon. So, no, no issues with that at all. I have to agree with Joe. Uh, it took a while to get into just because some of the jokes were a little inelegant. There's something that refers to Axe Body Spray where they just call it Ass Body Spray. And then they go on to explain it. What, and it's funny because I actually use that. I use that word to describe Axe Body Spray as well. <laughs> but And I didn't, know, so. I didn't know anyone else did until right. I read that. But at the same time, it just, there was a whole other complete balloon and that went on to explain that this was Axe body spray and maybe just get that out of there. I, I, you know, you know, I think that it's kind of hard because you've got your community of people that you're writing with and right. you know, your group mm-hmm. of friends and you know, 
pretty soon you have these inside jokes that eventually don't feel so inside. Something mm-hmm. that we run into with the eighth Henry's writing all the time. <laughs> oh, I mean, man. he's just our mad genius writer, you know? He's very, very funny. But he comes across with stuff that's just like, wow, buddy, that nobody's gonna understand that but like five people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I mean, and it's it's like I was I was like, in we'll stitches rolling yeah. at how funny his joke was, but I'm one of just a handful of people that is ever going to know what the hell he's talking about, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, obviously, this is a little bit less of an extreme example, but, you well, know... To it's, be it's, fair, this is much later in the comic series, so... Right, but at the same time, that yeah. seems like... Unless yeah. there's some kind of running gag about Axe body spray being ass. No, that's true. I, I actually, I think that was part of the joke, that he had to explain it to the other yeah. guy. <laughs> I think a lot other... of the jokes that they rely upon, it seems like they're relying upon how kind of clunky Eben is, mm-hmm. and how much of just kind of a... <laughs> Like a dork he is. Yeah. You know, he tries real hard to be cool and be this, yeah. you know, well, spy guy, yeah, but he well, just they're, can't they're make it work. Undercover at a high school and he's like trying Spoiling to explain it. to the other guy is like, No, this is what kids are into. It's like but it smells like ass. He's like, No, but you know, this is cool. I did all this research. <laughs> and it's it's so funny too. It's it's like how my husband was saying, uh, how he could never be cool because he was trying too hard. It kind of feels like that. Uh my husband's cool though. Um, very very cool. cool. Amazingly cool. We like him. I, I think I like him too. But <laughs> That's good. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but other things, there, there are some gems of, of moments in these in this story. For example, Evan's reaction to certain things. Mm-hmm. If you're not watch, if you're not looking carefully, you, you sort of miss that he's almost mildly freaking out at a lot of these new situations. Like yeah, it's so true. For example, when he's meeting up with the other operative at a bus stop, and he goes, "What year were you born?" He is just way too agitated, <laughs> and it's so funny. He's talking about like alt rock and grunge bands from the mid '90s. Call them like, classic rock. Yeah, the guy's like, "I love classic rock." <laughs> Freaking out, and I've seen the had worst those. part is, is that you're reading through this and you're like. Oh dear God! I'm the same age as these characters that they're making fun of old being old. Yes. <laughs> like, like I, I have the same reflections and opinions and observations. That I've I had that <laughs> conversation those experiences. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've had a roommate that was ten years younger than me. Whoa! And at Rude. times that was kind of like, get out of my house now. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would agree that like there were some great things with the overreaction. I, I really think that there were some right. subtle sort of visually directed jokes that were really good mm. oh you know? yeah like uh when they're in the shower again in the axe body spray uh shower scene actually the fact that there's just some guy there with a baseball cap nobody's really mentioning that he's, <laughs> he's standing in the shower wearing a baseball cap it's not a big deal happens every day i guess they also mentioned though like they don't mention the baseball cap but they mentioned that he's showering in his underwear right. which they find weird nobody but, finds but the hat weird nobody finds the hat weird mm. i love that right and also, I, in general, I also like the fact that I, I know this is from a series of a ton of other comics. I love that I didn't have to read them to get into this. That's yes. true. Yeah. Even though they have certain things where it's like, yeah, you have to read this, yeah. and it, it didn't it, really matter. Right. It, you know, it was, was pretty well done, recap. though. I mean, yeah. they have like little asterisks next to things. Exactly. It's not something you're going to know. Yeah. And it tells you like a little brief explanation then where you can go to learn more about yeah. it. That's pretty slick. I also oh, appreciate right. the one where they were doing a gag and or a joke, and they're like, yeah, this is based off of uh, Metal Gear Solid 2, or the video game Metal Gear Solid 2, because I looked at that, and I was like, huh? And then I looked at it afterwards, I was still like, huh? Because I didn't play <laughs> Metal Gear Solid 2, but at least I knew that there was something to that right. that I wasn't Absolutely. missing. Definitely. Any other thoughts, Pinky? No, I think I'm... 
Well, I mean, most uh, well, for myself, I think that most of the things that I would have was going to say have been covered for the most part. But uh, I just, I guess, I just reiterate that I liked the visual storytelling aspect of it. I mm-hmm. thought there were some really cool scenes. Uh, you know, actually, one of the coolest little bits of art is the very last scene with the guy limping away. Yeah. Um, yes. Right. I thought it was a really slick way to finish the comic. Uh, they, you know, essentially at the very end of this first issue, somebody is injured and is limping away. I won't say who because I don't want to ruin it for you because you guys should go to evan07.com and, and find out what's up with Evan. But uh, it was neat. Uh, you know, somebody was injured and they're kind of limping away in the comic. And then like the very final page that you know could have been a blank page or could have been a you know, shit-eating grin picture of Evan being like, go to evan07.com to learn more about my story. <laughs> you know, it was actually like a really artistic like white page with just that character cut out and the drops of blood kind of suggesting a floor, but there wasn't actually any floor. I thought it was very cool. Yeah. Like, I really appreciated oh. that. And, and then some of the, just the visual jokes, there was a scene where Ninja Dan was talking with somebody, their contact in the bus, and having some conversation about the whole situation that they're in and something along the lines of, you know, is Eben having trouble or something like that, you know, and he kind of like looks forward and then Eben is just making an ass of himself up front, obviously, and it's just <laughs> no words need to be said and it just works. I just, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that part. So yeah, I think that, yeah. I think it's a really good comic. I really yeah, the whole it. thing came together really well. It did. And, and like, like Pinku said, I was concerned when they said this is like the third or fourth story arc Mm-hmm. In the Evan 07 mythos, or what, what do you call it? The Evan 07 universe. universe. Yeah. So I was a little concerned that perhaps we get in there and we're going to be... Oh. Yeah, exactly. Like, who the hell is this? You know, what, what, you know, all these expectations of mm-hmm. us having been previous readers and knowing who these people are. And you know, this, they do a very good, a very elegant job of introducing the characters and introducing the situations. Mm-hmm. And they had a pretty good synopsis of, you know, the last time on... Evan absolutely, Evan. absolutely. Yeah, and I, I think that... It's something that you notice, like when you're, especially when you're reading like a long-running book series. Mm. There are some writers that are aware that they're getting new readers every time, mm. and that they're not starting from the beginning. And you get this sort of just tiresome reintroduction of all the characters that you know already, mm. you know, and that can be kind of like a sort of thing. And they kind of sort of do that here, but it's done in a way that's not tiresome. It's just it feels like it flows well, and it's just clean. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. It's good. Good comic. Let's, let's go back around and give it our final reviews, issues. How many issues are you going to give this to Brian? I'm going to give this one a four. Um, I thought Good it was score. very, very witty. I really enjoyed it. I wouldn't mind reading a lot more of it. Okay, Joe? I'm going to go with uh, three and a half issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it quite a bit. Not uh, going over the top with it, but it's good. Thank you. What did you think? Three and a half. I'll read more of it. I was pretty endeared to it, especially when I was rereading it, so it, it's got some really good reread value. You notice some things that you didn't before. I suppose you could say that about anything, but here... But it definitely is packed in there. Yeah, the payoff is a little better when you reread this one, too. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with the three, 3.5 issues. I think that I would definitely read more, and the beauty of it is that it's a webcomic, so you can just go read oh, it all, yeah. more or less. I don't know if they have all of it up there, but there's definitely a great deal more than the content we have sitting in front of us available online. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a really good idea, a really cool concept. Kind of in the beginning to middle part of the comic, I was interested in thinking, wow, this is polished, but I don't really. it's not really hooking me. But then when they really got into kind of towards the end mm-hmm. and towards sort of the drama coming out and you really start to wonder what the hell's going on and what's going to happen. You like, like it leaves things in such a way where you're, you're yearning to know what happens to the characters. 
Mm-hmm. And they really caught me in the latter half of this issue. And that's great. That makes me want to read more. So, And I actually have gone on online and read a little bit of it, and it's great stuff. I way highly recommend checking out Ebono7 at Ebono7.com. It's, it's good stuff. So, yeah. That's E-B-E-N-0-7. Okay, uh, coming up next after the break, we're going to get into Zots, Serpent, and Shield, issue number one and issue number 1.5 by Daniel Parada. Another one of the comics we picked up, Joe and I picked up, it's Throckton mm-hmm. Con. This is a really good read, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. Let's uh, stick around and uh, listen to some great music from AirPlus Recordings. When we get back, we'll be talking about Zots, Serpent, and Shield. Welcome back to Geek Life, Panamanga's one and only podcast. We're going to get into Zot's Serpent and Shield by Daniel Parada now. Zot's Serpent and Shield is a story of two brothers uh, that takes place in a fictional 16th century Mesoamerica, sort of like a kind of Aztec Mayan sort of vibe. Uh, very, uh, very interesting art style. Uh, v- definitely very much in touch with the Mesoamerican mythos and uh, you know stories. It's pretty interesting stuff. You know, so pretty, pretty heavily steeped in that. Definitely coming from the perspective of wanting to spread awareness about that and and uh, and share share the culture there because there's a lot of culture in this book for sure. Oh yeah, and a lot of cultural accurate accuracy too. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the the war clubs I actually noticed were actual Mayan war clubs lined with the uh, the obsidian blades, and those things are fucking deadly, man. Yeah, I saw a uh, not a deadliest warrior, but some like History Channel guy. So it must be legit. Yeah, guy goofing around <laughs> with uh, ancient weaponry episode, and he's he's just swinging one, and he's holding it down by his leg. The next thing you know, he's looking down and just tapping his leg lightly. He's, like, gushing blood. <laughs> he's like, oh, shit, um, medic? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, the expert that was with him was like, yeah, that was kind of funny, but <laughs> these are really sharp. Yeah, no doubt. You know, they would take take heads off. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
So yeah, Joe, why don't you start with impressions? Okay. So yeah, like I said, really culturally accurate. Um, although I'd say some of the storytelling was a little clunky. Mm-hmm, definitely. Like when they're telling the story of uh, how the sun and the moon came to be, the chief of the village is he's skipping like real big parts of the story, yeah. getting really intense and detailed and then boom next part really intense and detailed right. and he could have kicked out a lot of that detail and made like a continuous story and mm-hmm. told oh, maybe that. like a slightly shallower yeah. detail yeah in in that like story i was just constantly going wait what's up wait how what what well to be fair a lot of the old yeah. myths and stories are kind of disjointed and awkward oh they are you know they're like created to explain things Mm -hmm. and stuff and so they're very weird and it's like and then so-and-so swallowed the moon what i mean that's not in the story but Mm -hmm. some of these old myths can just be like and then odin sacrificed himself to himself what (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah but you know there's ways of telling those stories right in a way that really that's really cohesive Mm -hmm. you know sorry Daniel Parada, but you're not quite on the level of the ancient storytellers who can explain the myths in a way that makes it culturally relevant to people all over the world. That's pretty fucking hard to do. Yeah, that's tricky. It's definitely a bold step to tell the story. Definitely, definitely. Mm -hmm. But a a lot of the art really popped out. I remember when we went to his, uh, his booth, there was a page that had that giant crocodile on it. Mm-hmm. I think I made sure to get a picture of him with it because yeah. it was so good. Yeah. The detail was just epic on that. Yeah, that that's the pay, the picture that we have him holding okay, on the yeah, event that's section. All, so. That's the one I got. Yeah. And, you know, he, he does a lot of really cool detail in this. But I think some of the art was really stiff, too. That's a very good way yes. to put it. Like, there's, again, in, in that story section, the the war god is kidnapping his bride, and she's slung over his shoulder, but it looks like she's, you know, bent at 90 degrees at the waist, and, you know, just kind of... All of her limbs are also at the same angle, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's just kind of balanced on his shoulder as he's marching her away. And, you know, a couple of stiff uh, camera angles, but, you know, overall... the Art was solid, what I thought. Who would like to go next? All right. There's a couple of things I'm awfully sensitive to because I'm, because I've studied art for so long for most of my life, and that's going to be art. That's going to be a lot of the technical details in comics in general. So I have to I have to comment. I always got I always have to comment on the color sensibilities of each book, and this one I think is really faithful to what I know and what I've studied about Mesoamerican cultures. In general, the cover, it's really vivid. It's It matches a lot of the artifacts and a lot of the artwork I've seen from that time or from, from a lot of those time periods in that part of the world. I like that. I also have... There's parts where the stiffness of the artwork is obviously mirroring the, mirroring the ancient styles, and I appreciate mm. that. Like, there's parts when they're explaining... There's a scene where... The father in the village is explaining, you know, one of those creation myths or in the village to the two sons and to the, to the whole family. And for a while, you get this sort of artwork that matches the rest of the comic book. But it also, at the end of the myth, it sort of eases into what you would recognize if you were to, to pick up a book about any kind of ancient mind history. 
And I, I appreciate that, but I think the stiffness in terms of the rest of the book and the rest of the narrative is probably not deliberate and it's not meant to be too close to that. And that's where I take issue with it. I'm seeing a lack of comfort in terms of just drawing. And I know that's, you know, that gets worked out eventually. It's Well, yeah, by the um, issue 1.5 that we got, it looked like there was a lot more, com- like, much deeper comfort level. Right, just on the basis of the cover alone. I think mm-hmm. you could tell that there's a little more, you know, the, the artist is a lot more practice. Yeah. It's always awkward your first time. Right, right? I think so, too. I I mean, I know from experience it's awkward. I I don't know how many comics he's made or anything like that, but even when you're getting into a new book, when you're getting used to your own character designs and you're trying to sort of develop formulas on how to draw your own characters and in some sort of efficient manner, it takes there's going to be a few bumps in the way. Oh, yeah, it's exhaustive when you're trying to create a new character. It's one of the most frustrating parts of being a comic artist is... You know, getting down with the writer and talking about a new character and then having to fabricate something, a character that, that matches that personality and the look that the writer is looking for. And when you finally find something that, that they feel is in line with uh, the character and their vision of the character, then you have to draw that character a ton before it looks like the right character, mm-hmm. before it looks like the same guy on each page, the same girl on each page. I myself do something that I like to call flesh-out pages, where basically I draw a fit. I mean, this is just for the face, a you know straight head-on picture of the face, just like normal, like like a mug shot, right in the middle, and then basically in all eight directions, I'll do like three or four faces slowly turning to the side, like a character sheet, like a character sheet, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, um, and just go crazy with it. And then basically I'll draw those until I feel like all of the characters on that page look like the same character. And it's it's a really huge amount of work, but it's important. Right, and I'm and I'm not trying to imply that he hasn't done anything like no, that. No. I think the characters look like the characters; they look the same. Right, they do. Yeah. They look consistent. And after I paid attention, you know, it it seems really difficult because it seems like there's an emphasis on having accurate costume design in this book to be faithful to the culture and the history. I saw it right away just because I recognized it from back when I used to study this, and so I appreciated that. That there's a little bit of wiggle room, but perhaps not a whole lot. But even then, I was able to distinguish the difference between the two brothers. I, there was a couple points where it's kind of like, wait, who, who's who? Right. That, yeah, you'd there were a couple spots. You have to check. Uh, it was basically while. basically like who had different hair. Right. Everything else was exactly the it's same. It's also the weave on their the weave on their um. I don't know what the piece is called, but it's the part that goes around your waist. The cod piece thing, the or the cloth. actual the wrap. Oh right. That yeah. goes around the waist part. There's they mm-hmm. have two different. Yeah designs for that which was i was thankful for several times because there was more than once where i was where i was struggling to tell who the hell was talking and who Mm -hmm. was who because they look so similar they look really similar but you know like that scene that first scene when they're playing uh ball there's a scene where it's really close up on their face so you can't tell who's got the long hair slight difference one of them has a slightly more square head Mm -hmm. so you know there there needs to be there need to be some kinks that are worked out of it also, uh, the thing that I noticed a lot was scene changes were a little abrupt, and I wasn't sure if they were scene changes because of that sometimes. I had to just mm-hmm. go back and check really quickly. So yeah. might want to maybe insert some sort of panels that indicate that, maybe more establishing shots. More time has passed. Speaking. I think everybody expects an establishing shot. When there isn't an establishing shot, they just go straight into what's happening in the next scene. It's jarring. Or, or you know, even if you had like a blank black panel... Just some kind of pause for the for the reader is mm-hmm. really an asset. 
Um, speaking of establishing shots, though, I have to say that I really appreciate the brushwork that was done in the trees and a lot of the background work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, really nice. And I also noticed that there was there seemed to be a mix between digital and traditional mediums in a lot of points, almost to a point where I couldn't tell which was which. Like in the beginning, in the color portion of the book, I see some color pencils and I saw some marker. But then you look at the sunset in the sky and I noticed just this uniformity in the shape of the brush strokes that went over that sky that t- and the, the way that the colors layered. I really thought it was digital. And I'm not saying that because it's a good or a bad thing. I just liked how it was integrated well. I could tell or if somehow you can manage to do that without going digital. I, I got to say that's really impressive. But I, I thought it was pretty seamless. Uh, well, my impression is the book. I read this book uh, kind of eagerly because it was definitely one of the most unique ones. I think it was when we were reviewing for Flying Sparks that we mentioned, several of us mentioned, I think it was Pinky and I, were like, oh boy, another superhero comic. Mm-hmm. So whenever there's a, a comic in the self-published independent zone, I always am drawn to things that are unique and different. And I, I like the idea of the fictional 16th century Mesoamerica. I don't, I don't think mm-hmm. I've had a whole heck of a lot of comics that are like, it takes place in fictional 16th century Mesoamerica. That's a, that's a kind of a unique idea. I mean, I'm sure there are some out there, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty darn cool. Oh, yeah, man. I've got hundreds. Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> uh, but, so yeah, I I, uh, I share a lot of the same kind of ups and downs with this uh, that, that uh, Joe and Pinku. One thing that I would say that stood out to me is, I think, maybe why some of the, the poses seemed stiff. Mm. For those of you that are familiar at all with um, animation, there like traditionally there would be like the lead animators, they would draw the key frames that are kind of like the most dynamic pieces of the movement and then the the in-betweeners which is what they're called and that's one of the reasons why you get like tweening in uh in animation programs uh that's where that term comes from there was actually the lead artists right and then the and then there was like kind of like the grunt artists that would do all the extra work and so say there's like maybe 30 or something you know frames for like a walk sequence which is probably not enough but but basically, they would have a couple different pieces, and somebody would come in and they would draw the, uh, the the most dynamic, kind of important focal points of the movement, and then somebody would draw all the in-between pieces. So to, to, to extend that into the comic world, I can't remember what the Japanese term is. I want to say genga. Is that right, maybe? I'm not sure. I don't think but, I've heard that. Okay. But anyway, there, uh, basically, comics doesn't have the luxury of being able to have it be moving. Mm. So if you're trying to express movement in comics, you don't... You can't use anything that would be in the in-betweens. Nothing that is in the tween. Yeah, you have to have the most dynamic pose possible to be able to express movement and to be able to have that visual storytelling capacity. And a lot of the the moments in this, a lot of the poses, a lot of the scenes, uh, especially the ones that were meant to be dynamic and were meant to have action and were, you know, battles or kind of the, 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 the powerful scenes for that, uh, that moon mythos. Mm-hmm. Uh, they seemed like the poses weren't, weren't those dynamic ones, weren't those kind of key points. They weren't convincing. No, no. And that's, that's something that you just, you just have to work on, you know, uh, and, Something that, you know, that I think that all all of us struggle with because it's almost kind of funky to put a character in such a dynamic position. Sometimes it takes a little time to really make that work. Probably my biggest observation that hasn't really been addressed yet is that uh, is that it really does feel like a lot of the poses are kind of 
borderline boring poses mm-hmm. that are like in between the dynamic steps in a movement. Way too balanced. Yeah. Way too balanced. Way too, you know, it's like you see a lot of people, you know, early on in their drawings and people look really kind of awkward and stiff and don't have that, like their arms don't fall naturally to the sides. They're always in fists or they're always rod ramrod straight. They're not kind of curled and relaxed. You know, like, mm-hmm. the, you, you know, you have to spend a lot of time observing the way people actually exist in the world and, and stand and lean and move and walk. And to be able to have a natural looking character just standing there, let alone doing something dynamic that we don't see in our everyday life. You're like somebody flying through the air with a, you know, obsidian bat thing, <laughs> you know. So it's a, it's a challenging thing, but that's definitely something that, that I would say needs to be addressed for the parts of this comic to feel like they have the gravity that they're trying to. I think mm-hmm. I agree with you too. And I'm not I'm not saying that that is never allowed because actually I can think of a certain scene in this book where you have this symmetrical pose. Uh, there's a scene where this sort of unknown, unnamed killer in black, just covered with black, I have to assume it's blood, which is really actually striking. He's, he's sitting oh, there facing... one of the finest scenes in yes. the whole world. Absolutely. He's facing the camera head on, and he just beheaded a guy and just ripped apart a bunch of other guys. And we don't know who he is yet, but you look at him, and you look at that pose, and there's he can't turn away, you know? He has to face the camera full forward just to show how assertive he is. Mm. That's perfect. The next page after that is a scene change where it's mirrored... By the father who's just killed a bunch of people too, but you know, for in a way to protect, but he's sort of evoking the same kind of feelings that the previous, you know, that the killer from the previous page has. It is a that is a really strong actually the standout scene to me. I think so too. It actually made me kind of take a breath and go, All right, this is cool. It's two pages with zero dialogue and just pure awesomeness. Yeah, it's very, Mm -hmm. very right. Uh, so, yeah. you know, that's that's when to use a static pose. That's when you're being, you know, you have to use it as punctuation. You can't use it as, I guess, if, if you're comparing it to language, you can't just use it as filler types of words. You have to only use it when it's necessary. Like, you can't end every sentence with an exclamation point. Right. That's a very good way to put it. Well, the way that I felt about that scene, those two pages that we were just talking about, was shortly before that, there are some people raiding the city. And... They're like, I can't believe how few guards there are, how little posts. Is there really a general here? And the guy who's leading them is like, don't take him lightly. He may look old and frail, but he used to be called the Jaguar of the Underworld. And so the way that I looked at that, I looked at it like that was a flashback to how he was when he was doing all the war stuff. Mm-hmm. The young guy. That's clearly what it was. It's, yeah, it exactly. Was, it, was a, it was a vision it's, of like the father or grandfather. When, when he was when he during was the child. war, when yeah. he was just the Jaguar of the Underworld, and what he is now, where he's just standing there with hordes of bodies yeah. behind him. No, I, I think, I think uh, I guess my final thought... Uh, I mean, first of all, I'd like to say I did enjoy this, and I I'm, I'm, have a sneaking suspicion that I'll probably rate it higher than most of you guys. Um, I did really like this book, uh, this, this issue, but that aside, my biggest reservation was... Because I can roll with the stiff, stiff poses, I can roll with having a hard time telling who who's who and stuff. I mean, this is these are self-published independent comics, you guys. This is not, you know, somebody who's making their life, spending 100% of their time drawing comics. And this is definitely not, you know, the 30th comic in this guy's career. Mm-hmm. So, you know, taking that into consideration, it's great. I enjoyed it a oh, great yeah. deal. And the reason why I like it so much is the last, like, 10 pages. Mm-hmm. Most of the book is slow. 
and kind of boring and stiff. And and stiff is a good word for uh, just the flow of it. Right. And and the, I think the part that really killed me, which is unfortunate because it's one of the, like, I think one of the coolest, most unique things that, uh, that, that Parada did in this comic was that mythos, that, uh, that, that, you know, gorgeous story that they're telling Mm -hmm. about how the moon and the sun came to be. It was really cool, but it was huge. It, and it was easily the largest chunk of the story. Yeah. And it yeah. felt like, wow, this has got to be a huge part of the story. This has got to be, maybe he's going to have some of this, these mythological people come down and interact with the main characters, the two brothers. It doesn't seem like that's the direction it's heading, though, after getting done. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like, wow, you spent a lot of pages and a lot of your readers' patience mm-hmm. on... On backstory, on on a story that is adding texture and character to the and culture to the the, the your characters, but isn't actually developing your characters. Mm. It's like showing you in detail where they're coming from and their history and their culture. But I still don't feel like I know a whole hell of a lot about the two brothers, uh, Khan and Pakal. Mm. You know, I feel like I feel like if, if maybe that story was just half as long in pages, mm-hmm. probably could have gotten it across well enough. Yeah. It still would have been kind of whimsical and it would have gotten you into that that mesoamerican myth sort of feel which mm-hmm. was very cool but i well, feel like if we'd, we'd spent those pages saved by maybe cutting that in half in developing the characters a little bit more showing the relationship between them and the people that they inevitably lose in this battle that happens later on in the story i feel mm-hmm. like i would have cared more about them i feel like i would have been like yeah revenge like you know at the end of the book which yeah. is clearly what they're trying to do you mm-hmm. know essentially bad things happen to the boys and they end up trying to go on getting revenge at the end of the book and that last little piece where everything goes to hell and then they come out of it and they're like we're gonna we're gonna make this right we're gonna get revenge for the people that that were wronged and killed today Mm-hmm. You know, that was powerful. That was great. The battle was great. All that stuff was great. And even the very beginning where they're just playing ball and kind of showing the, the lighthearted brother relationship. And then because that helps to highlight to the, 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 the change that they yeah. go through mm-hmm. through this trauma. Mm-hmm. So that's all very well and, and good. I just feel like mm-hmm. there was too much time spent on that, that mythological story yeah. that should have spent, been spent on character development for the characters that are actually in the story. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I appreciate that. It's not easy what he's chosen to do. What Essentially, he's introducing an entire culture and you know of, of an ancient people that maybe not a whole lot of people know about. So he has to simultaneously do that while endearest to these characters. And it's sort of like a balancing act. Mm -hmm. You introduce a little bit of the myth or you introduce a little bit of the character. And I think that if it could have, it could have been balanced a little Mm -hmm. better because when he taught, you know, they go into all those pages about the myth, but really the only thing that the only time that it becomes relevant in the story is when they just talk about, you know, at the end is at the end when they're talking about how the, you know, they, they pray that the sun will protect them and then also the moon too since the moon is coming up um maybe that'll have more significance later on mm-hmm. and and then maybe it might justify the the copious use of use of pages to explain that that particular creation myth above all the others mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. that being said you know i appreciate it's not easy but you still have to you still have to remember that you're communicating these ideas and you're introducing a lot of things to people. There's a lot there to go over. He has pieces of culture, like, like the blades that were mentioned, but also Mm -hmm. uh, the, the types of food that, you know, the types of food they're talking about or the terminology they're using to refer to horses, Mm -hmm. which I don't remember offhand right now. Uh, Hornless Hornless deer. deer. There we go. So So, good. 
Yes. So good. So it, it's tough. Just keep yeah. at it. Please keep at it. Yeah, no, I I, I am endeared to this, and I'm interested in mm-hmm. how, where it goes and, and how it moves forward. Well, actually, I think um, probably why you spent so much time on that creation myth was because the the brothers, the uh, Khan and Pakal, are supposed to emulate the, the allegories to the brothers in the myth. Exactly. Right. You yeah. know, the the hunter and the warrior. They're you know, right. one's intelligent, one's fierce. And yeah. that's kind of what they were portraying the the brothers. Right, be. but that the, in in the Even way in the that type. he told the story, yeah. the story seemed to be way more about the woman in mm-hmm. the story, the moon in the story, than about the brothers. Mm. The brothers seemed to be sort of like kind of secondary characters that supported her story and her you know what I mean? Like philandering. She seemed like the main character, Mm -hmm. you know? So, anyway. But still... I'm hoping it's foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, speaking of foreshadowing, there was in in the uh, issue 1.5, that last panel where they're leaving town, and if you look into the background, there's this big shadowy figure, which you have to assume is that scary badass who suddenly show Mm. up. Yeah. And that actually... uh, you know, right as about right about when that was the book was starting to lose me a bit, I saw that last panel and I went, "Oh, oh no, this is this is probably going to be interesting." So, I'm I'm look I'm feeling optimistic about it. I personally I struggle to get through this. At least the first three quarters of book one and parts of book one point five. For me, it was a lot of the flow. I I struggled to kind of understand the flow of the speeches and the way that the panels were going and everything. I don't know for what reason or why, but it was just kind of a difficult read for me. Not just story-wise, because yes, we talk about the fact that it's very difficult to do one of those ancient legends kind of a thing, uh, and it takes up so much of the book, but for some reason it was hard for me to figure out, wait, what? Who's saying this and that? There are certain times where the word bubbles, the speech bubbles weren't pointed quite correctly when you have multiple people talking or you have, like, it wasn't set right where you'd have somebody talking and they'd have something to the left, to the right, and to the bottom because they're saying three different things. And at different times, like, it could be, like, the left side and the top and the bottom, and then you're reading the stuff on the right. At other times, it felt like it was, like, the left, the right, and then the bottom. So you just felt like some, right. some yeah, of the yeah, communication it was very was a little it, Yeah, it, when yeah. I it made it the... very, very hard to read for me. Um, it actually made it quite a struggle to get through that early part. Definitely. Right, the importance of lettering, as I mentioned before. Yes. This is This is why it's... You have to put equal thought into that because it's the whole presentation of the words and the text. Because comics, in general, is words and text. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, what would you guys like to rate this one? Mm-hmm. Out of five issues, how many issues? I'll give it a three out of five. It was a good read. I I want to know the rest of the story. You know, yeah, definitely. He, he left it on a good cliffhanger. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, this yeah, is that, true. Yeah, good he does leave technique. you wanting more. Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I'll give it a two. I would like to see the next issue. You know, like I said, in an R rating system, I, I don't think that I would really buy more than the next issue mm-hmm. or two if it was just all there on a shelf. Yeah. You know, after reading this first issue, and I, I'm interested in seeing what happens and where it goes, especially considering how much it improves towards the end and the and like the 1.5. It's definitely a pretty dramatic jump in, in, uh, in how much it grips you and how interesting it is and everything. So I'm I'm definitely interested in seeing where it goes. But I'm probably not going to go crazy and mm-hmm. and you know give it more than a two. Internet two, I think. Stock the guy. Right. Yeah. I think. I think. I think a two is pretty much two issues out of five is what I'll give it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I was thinking two issues also. I would follow it for two more issues. Just because, honestly, issue 1.5 really uh, raised that rating for me because I saw such a you know a difference yes. just between the first and oh, yeah. the yes. first and half book. It was already a lot a lot more solid. There, and, you know, honestly, I do want to know more about this stuff. Like, I studied it before. I don't remember everything. And I do have my nitpicks about it, you know, based against what, I'm study- what I've studied. But I don't, you know, I, it's things that I'm willing to overlook because it's in the interest of storytelling. I understand why you would change certain things or just gloss over certain things. But I'm, I'm sort of, uh, I'm still intrigued either way. Uh, there's something really, really um, resonating with that scary character, that character mm-hmm. in black yep. that I just want to see. Hmm. Well, you know. it's bringing a whole different element into the story. You know, right now it's just, you know, our village was slaughtered. We're out for revenge. Right. And, you know, I also appreciated what I didn't mention before is the fact that, you know, they, they allude to the coming of Cortez and if you've seen Apocalyptico, you know, that was one of the major driving events. And it's sort of, you know, you really, you can't not demonize Cortez in a lot of these stories because it was the single thing that changed this entire civilization and any other connecting villages. But I know there's a little more depth there beyond just the Cortez. So I'm glad they didn't focus on the Spaniards completely or too much. They just sort of said, this is what happens. And this is this point in history. And then they got in and got out. Okay, I'm Brian, going to ask to give it a, and I hate to do this because this is how many issues we were given, but I'm going to have to give it a 1.5 out of 5. Mm-hmm. Like that initial slow part plus the struggles, the frustrations that I had trying to follow everything in the story and how it flowed and everything really just kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. And I'm done. You know, You're finished. I'm, 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 I, I, yes, the story is interesting, I don't really have any intentions of continuing on with this one. Hmm. So 1.5 out of 5. Okay. No, I think mm. I understand that. Yeah, no, I totally yeah. understand because, where you're coming from. Because, mm. you know, I mean, on one hand, yeah, this is somebody who's obviously not professional. But on yeah. the other hand, this is what, when you make comics, this is what you have to contend with. What people actually think and what people actually want. Yeah. And I am somebody who's kind of new to comics anyways. So, you know, it helps to have something a little more clean and easy to read. Right. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's even professional comics that feel congested. Yes. Oh, totally. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's, it's... I put down The Watchmen pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. It was congested. You know, the it... Watchmen really just should have been a novel, in my opinion. I mean, there's some great visuals it there and stuff. It basically was. It basically was just a novel yeah. with, like... With a, couple... a little bit of blue penis every <laughs> once in a while. Ay, ay, ay. Well, I think that that's all we have for you guys today. That'll We'll go ahead and mm-hmm. wrap up this podcast unless anybody else has something to say. No, I think blue penis is a good thing to end our podcast. <laughs> I agree. We could just end the podcast on blue penis and, and we'll be good to go. walk away with dignity here. Yes. <laughs> oh, we still have dignity? We do. My bad. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Geek Live Podcast number 20. Next time, The Drunk Cast. And slash Con Survival Guide. So look forward to that. Hey, Hopefully, that too. Slash, <laughs> you know, most of them are excited about being plastered. Alcohol and cons, that, that, those are two things that those need to go together. Those are two things that do go together, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And alcohol and pizza is a geek life staple, so... This is true. This yeah. is true. We'll definitely have both of those at the Drunk Cast slash Con Survival Guide. So bring your pencil and paper next time and write down all of the good info about cons and the do's and don'ts and what should and shouldn't bring and... Maybe we can have the 8th Henry give you a con bug out bag. (laughs) So, 
All right, so you've been listening to Geek Life, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to Geek Life. We always love to hear from our listeners. Please email us at geeklife at pandamanga.com with your questions, comments, and insights. Anyone interested in becoming a PM contributor, visit our contact page at contact.pandamaga.com and complete the form located there. Music has been provided by AirPlus Recordings. As always, links to the artists and songs featured on this episode are available in the show notes at podcast.pandamaga.com. If you'd like more information about AirPlus Recordings, visit airplusrecordings.com. This is JP. We'll see you next time. Okay. Well done. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, ready?